Well, hello, everybody. Hi. Welcome to the very first live episode of This Is My Bourbon Podcast. I'm trying to turn down the music, too, and it's not working. We'll get there eventually. There it goes. I found it. Um, welcome. <laughs> Holy crap, I can't believe you guys are here. Um, this already has been an incredible weekend. Uh, if you have been here from last night on, thank you all so much for being a part of this. I'm just tickled to death, humbled, all of the above that somebody said, hey, I want to be here and I want to be a part of this. And this started as me going, I'm already having these conversations and I may as well just do something with it. And I did something with it and you guys are here. And so thank you all so much for that. Um, I, before we get started, uh, just curious, uh, round of applause if you've heard the show before. Okay. Okay. Uh, if you've never heard the show before, don't, don't be shy, round of applause as well. Okay, Chad's, Chad's in the back and he started clapping. Well, um, thank you all so much for being here. I know that this is um, something different that I've, I've really never done this before. Um, I'm just super, ha super happy to do this, excuse me. Um, huge thank you, of course, to the Silver Dollar for making this happen. Tracy Green at SSPR, um, wonderful, wonderful person who has a really great relationship with bourbon women to um, help me make this happen. Um, I want to say too, uh, this night is dedicated to Joy Perini, who unfortunately passed away last week. She was the author of the uh, Kentucky Bourbon Cocktail book, um, which is fantastic if you've never read it. Um, she was a huge leader in this industry, um, not just for bourbon and cocktails, but, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice cracked. Um, <laughs> but for women in this industry as well. So we think of her tonight and we raise a glass as well. Um, so cheers to Joy. Anyway, I'm ready to get this thing started because I've, I've been, look, I've been a little anxious about this. I'm not gonna lie. I've been a little bit nervous. And last week I, I got to meet um, Susan Regler, who actually was really, was really good friends with Joy Perini as well. And she went, you know, why are people having conversations about women of bourbon and most of the guys who are doing this are men? And I went, crap. <laughs> what am I doing? So I, I want to take the time to say, first off, first off, excuse me, thank you all so much for being here. Um, I want to make sure that I talk as little as possible. I'm here to be a conduit for conversation, not the conversation. So without further ado, though, I want to introduce our guests. First off, a good friend of mine, Sarah from It's Bourbon Night, who most of you all know. Miss <laughs> Peggy No Stevens from Bourbon Women. And then Andrea Wilson from Michter's. I, I couldn't be happier to have this, this group here. Um, this was ideal for me 
in who I could get, and I'm so happy that all three of you just said yes. Like, no questions asked. You're like, yeah, I'll do it. And then a couple weeks later, Sarah was like, hey, how is this gonna happen? And I was like, we're gonna find out together. <laughs> what, do we have to tell them, tell them that we, we heard that there was free bourbon. That you were gonna That's do. what I heard, that's what I heard. I didn't hear so that. So did all those people, I think. <laughs> who, said, who said there was free bourbon? I did not hear that. <laughs> um, so one of the ways I like to get the show kicked off is by asking you all, what have you been drinking recently? So, ladies, what have you all been drinking recently? Well, not to bribe Perry, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of did my own Knob Creek pick on Monday. Yeah, whatever, whatever. So, that's what I've been drinking. <laughs> I sound really loud. Well, I, I intentionally turned your microphone down. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> when Sarah with an H gets here, I don't think we need that. Is she going to be here at some oh, Probably. Yes. <laughs> Can we wait until we hit sure, sure. stop on sure, the sure. record button? Sure. Or, okay, fine. Becky, what about you? Well, you can tell this was a man that sat here before. <laughs> 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 it was you. <laughs> it was my sister. <laughs> Well, I have a Michter's Rye in my glass right now, my friend over here. Uh, I've been on this rye kick lately. Uh, Amen to that. Yeah, and so uh, Peerless Rye, if you all have been following Peerless lately, they're on fire right now, which is great. Yes, really great stuff. And then uh, Wilderness, Wilderness Trail Bourbon Sweet Mash, uh, 100 Proof, Bottled and Bond, has intrigued me. So I've been kind of sipping on that. They, they've got that rye bourbon coming out mm -hmm. in a couple weeks, too, yeah. which... They're, they have a really fascinating operation. And, you know, they're specialists in yeast, and they do some right. mash. And so I'm, I just wrote an article about them, and I, I think that's why I'm kind of turned on to it right now. Yeah, for sure. And where did you write that article? Uh, it was in American Whiskey Magazine. There you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're plugging early, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, what about you? Time. I mean, I love doing the, the barrel strength releases, but I love all of our whiskeys, so I'm just enchanted with our whiskey. So. <laughs> well, good. I'm, gl I'm glad that you're enchanted with whiskey. That's what we're for. <laughs> all right, so I, I, I want to make sure that before we get too far into this, you all get the chance to introduce yourselves, talk about who you are and, and why you were important to this industry. So... <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Did I miss something? Oh, anyway, um, Sarah, I'm going to start with you, and then you all go ahead and talk about what you do. All right. Well, I'm Sarah, and I'm uh, half of the dynamic duo of uh, It's Bourbon Night, which is a YouTube channel. Uh, Chad's back there in the back. Give him a shout-out. He needs some love. He is an honorary bourbon woman, but cannot sit up here today. And I know Where's the wig, by the way? <laughs> That's true. It's an honorary bourbon. I mean, it's true. I'm not lying. I did. 
No, um, so we just hit 20,000 subscribers on YouTube, thanks to 21. Oh, oh yeah. I'm sorry. As of today, it's 21. Um, thanks to a lot of you all in the audience, so thank you for being here, but uh, I'm not really sure why I'm important to this industry. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think that like we started this by sharing our honest opinions and uh, taking what we know and love and, and kind of projecting it out into the community, and the community responded, and we've been very thankful to receive the support that we have from you guys, so thank you very much. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what we do. So I, w I want to tell a funny story real quick about oh, It's Bourbon. Um, <laughs> I, uh, about two years ago, I was on Facebook, and I saw that there was a live stream going on from the Lexington Comic Con. Yes, I am a big nerd. Um, and sure enough, there was Chad on that live stream, and I was like, Chad from It's Bourbon Night? Is Chad as big of a nerd as I am? And so I just had this moment yeah. where I was like, yeah, I know. And I had this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be at Comic-Con tomorrow. I've gotta meet him. And I, I love Bourbon Night. I loved y'all's YouTube channel. And I, I was like, hey, Chad, I'm gonna be there tomorrow. Can, can we meet up maybe and get a picture or something? <laughs> He was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And like, it was, you know, well before you were going to New Orleans and you couldn't walk around without being stopped. Um, but we got a picture together and then after that we had a bourbon night which made you all really nervous because out of nowhere I was like, hey, we're getting together and we're gonna drink some bourbon, do you guys wanna come? And they were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, you know, stranger danger. Well, I understand, I understand, but like, like a week, no, hold on. A week before you had said, hey, if you guys are having a bourbon night and you want us to be there, invite us along. And I said, well, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> sure, but I didn't know. I know, I know, I, I, I totally understand. I understand, but you're here now. And that's... Can I just say that I think that you are the first person that recognized Chad in public? Really? Yeah. Woo! Yes. Oh, Chad! <laughs> He's such a liar, he came home and told me all about it. Why were you counting? <laughs> oh, he's still counting. <laughs> I cracked the top ten. That's all that matters. <laughs> Peggy, please go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about importance, but I'll tell you what I try to do. How about that? Uh, I've sure. been in the industry for 30 years, believe it or not, and uh, worked in corporation at Woodford Brown Foreman, and I worked on Woodford Reserve and Jack Daniels and other projects and for 17 years before I started my own company. And then uh, back in, I guess, 2008, I started uh, Peggy No Stevens and Associates, and our core was building distilleries and visitor centers and consumer experiences and tasting programs. And I am a, a bourbon master taster, uh, and I had that designation when I was in the industry in corporate life. Uh, and then I started the Bourbon Women Association uh, back in 2011. I think there's a few in the crowd here, a few Bourbon Women. <laughs> and uh, the mission was really to educate women um, on this fine product that we had because nobody was talking to them. So as far as what I hope I contribute is a voice um, for the industry. And I hope I contributed uh, some innovation in the industry by building some visitor centers and um, tasting programs, things that you don't know I did, I guess, but you might have experienced it uh, just working with a lot of distilleries. So that's 
that's what I hope is just to spread the gospel. I think what's interesting too is that you, some people may not realize it, but I, I associate you as a synonym with bourbon at this point. Oh my God. I, no, I really, I really do. I'm not trying to, look, I'm not trying to score brownie points or anything, but like, I, I, we talk about leaders in, in the world of bourbon. And you have always struck me as a, a leader in this world, too. And so I, I just, first off, not just for bourbon, but for women of bourbon, too, you've done so much. I just want to say thank you first and foremost. So, did, I, did I give you a bourbon women mug? Yes, you did. Do you have a mug? Still in the wrapper. <laughs> but not for long. Thank you. That Absolutely. Is, thank you. Absolutely. Andrea. I'm so excited about all this. I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted you to introduce yourself and talk about your role in the industry and how you've been an impact on it. So um, I've been in the industry for a long time. So I've been in the industry now for about uh, 16 years. And I... I've had the fortune and opportunity to have my career shaped by a lot of really interesting people, a lot of exciting people, a lot of people with 30 and 40 years of experience in this industry, but also in manufacturing. And um, I've learned a lot and I continue to learn and I continue to grow. And I think what excites me now is that, you know, obviously I'm with Mictors and I get to focus and have the freedom to do the things that we know really impact um, and really make great quality whiskey, which is very different than working for a big corporation or a big corporate environment. So it's a family-owned business, and I love the freedom and enjoy working with Pam Heilman, our master distiller, which is amazing. So she gets to handle the front end, and I get to handle the back end of the process, so that's really fun. Um, but I think what really gets me excited is being able to build um, the next generation that will take on and carry the reins forward. And I think that's what you know gets me really excited about the industry. What, what's the next generation look like to you? Because um, it's growing all the time. Yeah. And I, mean, I, I, I feel like I might be a part of the next generation of bourbon drinkers, <laughs> too. Think you are. Yeah. I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> but what does it look like to you? incredibly diverse but I mean that beyond just you know male female from different cultures I think it's incredibly diverse from the way we talk about and socialize around bourbon now like all the things that Peggy has done and things that Sarah's done things that you're doing things that other people um, you know both in print and in social media and just the, the way it's introducing conversation globally is beyond anything I could have ever imagined yeah. in my, my career. Sure. It's amazing. Speaking of social media too, Sarah, you and Chad, as we've mentioned before, run its bourbon night, sure. which I, I think is one of the most wildly successful channels for bourbon on YouTube. Well, but. I'm nothing if not a flatterer, apparently. But, um, well, I never. <laughs> How did you guys kind of get into the game of bourbon tube? So it's a little bit of a story about bourbon tube, and it's a little bit of a love story. Aww. If you care to listen. Oh, just to let you know. You put a ring on 
on it. It, is, it ends well for Chad. marketing for a restaurant group that was opening a bourbon bar. Some of you all may know it. It's called OBC Kitchen in Lexington. Um, Chad was working for a video production company that was doing the video to promote the bar. Uh, we met through that and, um, you know, we, we kind of quickly realized we both had an interest in bourbon. And so we decided to go out one night and, you know, have a bite to eat and have some bourbon. And he was a perfect gentleman. So sweet to me. So obviously I friend zoned him really quickly. Um, because that's what we do. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Watching Chad's face in the back, by the way, is fantastic. He knew it was coming. Um, no, so um, we, we started meeting, you know, kind of on a weekly basis, talking about how much we love bourbon and how much we love doing blind flights and just exploring, like, what do you like? Because I'm a marketing person, right? So when you blind me for marketing, I'm interested in what do I like without a label, without sure. a background. Uh, and then eventually Chad's video production side kicked in and was like, wait, I have all this gear. Why are we not filming this? And so, you know, in 2016, we just kind of decided like, hey, let's, let's launch this thing. And uh, so we did. And you know, you hang out with somebody enough, you drink bourbon enough, eventually you get engaged. So. <laughs> audience. <laughs> I laugh harder than anybody in this entire world. It's so. <laughs> so that's how I got here. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but, but you and Peggy have grown to know each other yeah. fairly well over the past few years. That's too. true. How, how did that relationship start and develop and become what it is today. Well, I stalked her for a while, and then she finally... <laughs> Spoilers, we had to get Sarah out of prison for her to be here for this. <laughs> no, um, I actually saw Peggy for the first time at the New Orleans Bourbon Festival, year one, and she like... How many years ago was that? That's been two, three years. Two, yeah. Okay, yeah. And like, opened my mind, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I just became like, a huge fan, honestly. And I tell everyone that you're my mentor. And that I want to be you when I grow up, but let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, so I, I kind of started, like, you know, watching her through these events that she was doing, yeah. and, and eventually, you know, we kind of started to recognize each other to the point where, I'm not gonna lie, this year at the New Orleans Bird Festival, Peggy said hi to me, and I was like, I, I'm melting into the park. <laughs> <laughs> this is my dream day. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, as your potential mentor, you should not get married. Peggy, is it because he's going to want me to cook for him all the time? <laughs> I'm just teasing. You know I'm the closest I've been to a spit take of so delightful. That's why I'm so thrilled you're getting married. Um, but it was the New Orleans Bourbon Festival, and I got a call from the coordinator, uh, Tracy Napolitano, and he goes, hey, Peggy was after after the, the festival, and he goes, hey, Peggy, have you seen 
uh, you know, the podcast. And I, I said, which podcast? And, and he sent it to me and he goes, they said your seminar was one of their favorites. And I thought, oh gosh, it's great. You know, I love to get feedback on seminars and that. So I watched it and I thought, they are cute. You know, and they really, they know their stuff. You know, they really know their stuff. And the next thing you know, I ended up, you all invited me on your podcast and we did a food pairing together. Which was uh, one of my favorite episodes. Was it fun? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a great time. I had a great time. And what I love about her is she's so authentic. Uh, and, and that's my attraction uh, to her. And uh, I, I just think that we were just so comfortable uh, immediately getting to know each other and respect the bourbon and women and all of those things. And uh, it's just been great. And that's why I'm tickled that she's at Well, I'm so excited to be here with you two because I feel like. I don't know, a small fish in a big pond. I, I, We're in different ponds, but there's ponds. <laughs> so we all swim in bourbons. Yes, that's right, super <laughs> drunk fish. Okay, great. But, that, but that's why I wanted to have the three of you all on in this. You are, Sarah, the culture part of it. Peggy is the spreading the gospel. Andrea's making it happen. You know, and to have all three of you in those very different aspects of the industry be together and talk about how you kind of work together, even without maybe knowing that you're working together. That was really something that I wanted to, you know, reach for and achieve with this. So just happy to be here. Um, but so, Peggy, you've, you've worked for a bunch of different brands, not just bourbon, right. the other whiskeys as well. What was it that made you want to come back to bourbon then? And where, why did, why was that your home that you settled into? Well, let's see, that's a loaded question because I don't think I ever left. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I don't think I ever left bourbon. I was really fortunate in my career uh, to be trained and well-versed in wine. Uh, as well as spirits, and you know, even when I'm judging uh, a spirits competition, I usually specialize in bourbons and rye. But then sometimes they'll throw me, you know, vodkas, which is really hard um, to judge. And so it, it really hasn't mattered what products I've worked on in the past. And I've built distilleries and breweries and wineries, sure. you know. But I always come back to bourbon because it's my roots. You know, born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I grew up with bourbon from eggnog at Christmas, you know, to on my wedding day. You know, I have a, a great picture that I'll have to share one day. Please. But I'm getting dressed and my veil's hanging over my face and I'm trying to get a sip of bourbon. Hey, <laughs> you're literally dressing me. And I'm trying to drink a bourbon before I go down the aisle. Um, so that was epic. Um, and, uh, I'm just imagining now that you know you you get the the charter for for bourbon women, and instead of there being a description, it's that picture. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna take it out. I would like the same picture so I can make the same one. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. I would like to make the same picture. But in all sincerity, bourbon's a lifestyle. It's not just a product, and that's why I always loved and admired and respected the culture that surrounds it, and that includes the people you meet along the way. Uh, as Andrea knows, because she works with so many master distillers and is on the KDA board and you know things like that, uh, this, it's a camaraderie, yeah. uh, it's a family. And so I never left bourbon, I just sometimes worked on other products. Sure, that's great. 
Andrea, you spend a lot of time working on products, though, as the master of maturation at Victor's. And that, that's a really interesting and kind of specific role to how bourbon is made and, and how whiskey is made, too. So how have you found that you have settled into that role? And how do you feel like you are separating yourself from other people who may be sharing that title in the industry as well? Well, um, yeah, that's a lot in that question. I, I ask big questions. <laughs> um, I guess I would say that, you know, first of all, I think it's important for people to understand what the role of master maturation is. So for a long time, people in the industry have heard about the master distiller and everybody talks about, you know, what's your mask bill, what yeast are you using, and all of those things are incredibly important um, to the process, but there's also sort of this other... Um, work stream that goes into making bourbon that you all will all be aware of, which is the aging of the cast. And that piece, though, has a lot of variables associated with it that I often think sometimes, you know, people think you just put the whiskey in the barrel and you shove it in a warehouse and you leave it there and one day you show up and it comes out and voila. There's actually an incredible amount of quality control and influence that the barrel has, so that's what is involved in my role. So I've, I've spent my career, I'm a master of chemical engineering, I've spent my career learning from um, you know, people all over the world, and I think that's one of the unique things about me and about my career is that I've been influenced and had the opportunity to work with Irish whiskey producers, Scotch whiskey producers, Kentucky bourbon producers, you know, rye producers, all kinds of, you know, Canadian whiskey, American whiskey, all kinds of whiskey. And I think that has given me a tremendous amount of insight and knowledge that I wouldn't have otherwise had. Um, you know, I'm incredibly influenced, obviously, by a lot of people here in Kentucky. I mean, these are my friends. These are the people that I've grown up with who helped shape my career. And I've also had the fortune and opportunity to access other elements of um, knowledge and information from the globe. I asked you this earlier, too. Um, I said I might not ask it, but here we are. So you are. My, well, it, <laughs> it came up organically, so... I, I said that I really like to ask people in the industry, if you're not drinking your own product, mm -hmm. what are you drinking? Mm -hmm. And you expressed that to me in such an interesting way to the point of going, being a friend with somebody in the industry means, yeah, we're gonna share this together. And that really resonated with me. You know, it, it bourbon can be so subjective at times. Whiskey can be so subjective at times. But to be able to put that I do or don't like it mentality aside for a little bit and just say, let's share this together. That's fantastic to me. And, and that was such a unique answer and such a unique way of expressing how you approach products that aren't your own, that it just, it gave me hope <laughs> for the industry, because a lot of times people are like, yeah, this is better than somebody else's stuff. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I, I'm on the operations side of things, so I think that's what I was trying to express earlier. So the, the, the question about, you know, what do you drink when you're not drinking nectars? 
That's an incredibly difficult question for me to answer because these are my friends. These are the people who have shaped my career. And, you know, it's, a, it's an emotional question. So, you know, it's not something where you can just say, oh, you're my friend, but you know what, I don't drink your stuff. You, you just can't, you can't separate, you know, your love and adoration and care for your friends and your family, even in some cases, um, away from the spirit. So, you know, I, I uh, you know, it's about celebration as well as I want to open this up to, to all of you all, too. What does it mean to you to be a woman of birth? And I, I think that it could very well be a, a specific title or ideal that you adopt in this industry. But how, how do you view that? Anybody who wants to go first, please. I mean, I'll say that because of the work that these two ladies and countless others have done, to me, it doesn't mean so much as about being a woman of bourbon. Like, yes, that is a point of pride, but fortunately, like, I don't have to fight any type of stereotype or, like, you know, no one's ever not been respectful or receptive of me, and I think it's because of the work that they've done, you know? Right. Um, I... I've always felt welcome. I totally get it. Yeah, I mean, I've always felt welcome in this industry. And and for me, it's like, I'm in a different space than everyone else. So for Chad and I, and I I don't think it has to do with just being a woman, but just putting herself out there online, like, it's felt good to have not only women, but people in general respect and receive us with support. Um, And I think that's something that's just, I found is synonymous with the whiskey community yeah. that they're all just very respectful and supportive and beyond just supportive like I can't explain I mean I feel spoiled <laughs> I feel to the point where when we get things in the mail I'm like wow I am so spoiled what did I do to do I, this I totally understand you know how I feel right yeah so um, I don't think it has to do so much with just being a woman in the bourbon industry because they've made it easy and possible and, you know, have paved the way. Uh, my word that I always go back to, and then I'm going to ask the question in the audience, uh, is it feels empowering. And so, uh, just for the men in the audience, because I love how many men we have here, uh, how many of you all find it very interesting when you hear a woman order a bourbon on a rocks? Love it. <laughs> <laughs> He's got two hands. <laughs> say that on the air. Uh, I agree with you. And um, just a quick story. Early in my career, I lived in Chicago and was from Kentucky, so I grew up drinking bourbon. And we would go out with my sales team uh, to happy hour, and all the women you know, were ordering like wine spritzers and all this stuff. Jits, slow gin fizzes, if anybody remembers those. And then I'd say, can I have a bourbon on the rocks, please, makers, preferably? And all the women would go... <laughs> now, granted, that was in the 80s, all right, late 80s, early 90s, um, and, but it was, it stood out. And so, really and truly, I think it's empowering, but the real answer is that it's not about the demographic sure. of a woman, it's about the psychographic of a woman. And bourbon women 
hands down, and many of them are in the room, you know, we've been doing this for over seven years, they're uh, adventurous, uh, they're curious, they're confident, they've got bravado, uh, they are not afraid to step up and say something, uh, but in a good way, in an empowering way. And uh, they love to travel, they love to be with their girlfriends, they enjoy nights out to dinner. You know, there, there's a psychographic to them. And it's funny because when we do our Bourbon Women events, and especially at our annual symposium, that's SIP, symposium, you know, we'll have 300 women for an entire weekend, and you look around the room and it's kind of like we're all alike. Uh, isn't it fascinating? And so I, I really chalk that up to the psychographic of it, and not just that we're women. So it's kind of cool. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Absolutely. Do that. I, to, to that point, too, there has been forever this stigma of bourbon is an old man's drink. Sure. Wrong. I'm not going to lie. Exactly. There have been many a times that I've walked up to a bar and been like, may I have a booker's knee, please? <laughs> and some man next to me is like, well, darling, are you sure? <laughs> Do you know what you're getting into? And I'm like, oh, let me tell you. <laughs> no, but you're right. And I, I, I think that we, we're at an interesting point. In, in the world of bourbon to where it, it doesn't have to be weird that a woman can go up to the bar. And, it's and so weird. weird. It's, yeah. Did you say it's so weird? It's not weird. Oh, I thought you said it's so weird sarcastically, <laughs> and I was like, Why was it ever weird? <laughs> Strange, it never was weird. It's just, it's just that collective consciousness sure. that it's, it's not something that is quote-unquote accepted. Excuse me. But now it's just a part of it. And I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. Andrew, anyway, you go there. Um, as far as a woman of bourbon, I mean, I think that, you know, for me, the way it resonates is it's about confidence, but it's also about, um, you know, being yourself and exploring your full potential. I think that's really, you know, kind of the shortest way that it's, but it's a whole lot of stuff, <laughs> you know, that it means. But that's probably the core of how it resonates for me. When, when you all share the gospel of bourbon, what is it that you all share with other people that may separate your ideals or your experiences or your message? Not just from men in the industry, but right. just from people in, gen in, in general. Um, I would say that you know, spreading the gospel is about respect to me um, with bourbon because it is a true American spirit. Uh, it is an art and a science together, and a lot of people don't realize the artistry uh, behind crafting a, a good bourbon. Uh, they think it's just an easy, you know, yeast, distill, barrel, like you were saying about barrel. A ton goes in that barrel. You know, the thought behind it, the preciseness. Um, so to me, it is a lot about respect of the craft. And that's what I try to spread, is an appreciation for the complexity, the quality, that it's a natural product. There's nothing added to bourbon. You know, no caramel, no sugar, no, I mean, we are natural. Uh, and we are premium. We are premium product. Amen to that. 
I'd say a lot of what I try to share with people is actually something that Peggy shared with me because people that come to our channel and are asking for recommendations are generally already familiar with bourbon. They don't need to be instructed through the beginnings of what do you like, what do you don't like, you know, things like that. So they're looking for ways to expand their lifestyle, and that's actually something I learned from you is, um, you know, tasting and pairings and how to do balance, counterbalance, and explosion when you're when you're incorporating it into a party or anything else. So that's, I'd say what I often try to share with people is like what I like to eat and what I like to eat with my bourbon and which bourbons I like to eat that with and how you can do sort of a spread for people when they come over. And, sure. and I think that's like actually where I want to go in the future is to chase down that path, which is yours that she actually opened for me. So keep running girl, I'm getting home. Oh, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> But if you've never had blue cheese wrapped in prosciutto with apple and bakers, you should try it. The lady. Alright. You could do blue cheese and chocolate mixers too. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. With mixers. Which mixers tenure is one of my favorites of all time. So thank you so much. And that's true. Check in the test. Yeah. <laughs> and all of our viewers. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's a, I think it's a couple of different things. I think that... Oh, well. Are you... Oh. There might, there might be a little bit to be this? had later. It's a horse. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, but it certainly wasn't that. We're just gonna leave this That's fine. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, uh, that was also courtesy of Swan the Bourbon Finder, who's sitting in the front room. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Anyway, Andrew, please. <laughs> a couple of things. I think for me, um, I, I mentor a lot of uh, younger people, and I'm really excited about getting people excited about getting into this industry, and meaning more than just the production side of things, but there's so many facets of this industry, and just educating young people about the opportunities, I think is, um, you know, something that, you know, I really get jazzed up about, but I think there's also just the other side um, you know, you were talking about food. It, it's so interesting to me because once upon a time, it was like you either had a drink before dinner or you had a drink after dinner. And now it's like there's so many opportunities to incorporate whiskey throughout the meal and really enhance and contrast and complement the flavors that you're experiencing. So much like, you know, the wine industry has been doing for a long, long time. Now it's really starting to happen and take off in whiskey. So to the opportunities to share with people, opportunities to um, have these experiences in their own home. You don't have to have a chef. You don't have to, you know, consult <laughs> experts. You can just experiment and have fun on your own and create some really great flavor explosions. You know, I think that's cool too. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
I have to, can I just add one thing? There's a couple, actually, bourbon women in the audience right here that right before we came to sit down were showing me a list. They had a massive, how many cheese pieces of cheese that you oh, try? Nine cheese and burgers. Nine different, and, like 30 different <gasps> and 30 different bourbons. Nine uh, pieces of cheese and 30 different bourbons. Just, and they had all their notes and they were sharing them with me. Uh, before we came on here. So that's, I think that is the way. Isn't that such a cool thing? My dad that people never would have thought that bourbon, <laughs> bourbon pairs with cheese because it's like earthy and aged and, aged yeah. and like cheesecake. It's so good. So do it. Do bourbon and cheese. That's my advice. All right, next. <laughs> talking about you, Sarah. Okay. I'll ask you a question next. <laughs> you, you are in a very different role in the community, in the industry, from, from Peggy and Andrea. How have you seen people change in this industry, and, and not just as a bourbon drinker, but as a consumer as well? That's a tough question because there's a lot of change going on. So I, I'm not sure if it's like a change towards inclusiveness of women or just a change in general. Because I think we can all agree that like the general change has been as the rise, you know, bourbon continues, so does the popularity, so does it become more difficult for us to get the things that we love, which is very frustrating. Um, and I guess no one agreed to that. Um, I think for me, the rise of bourbon has brought more of an inclusiveness into the community. So, like, I do miss the times when I didn't have to wait in line for so long or at all for something that I love. But I have met so many friends yeah. that I would never have known had this industry not boomed. So, it's like, what would you trade, you know? And nothing. for us, we're so, yeah, not trading nothing. No, right? <laughs> I mean, China had a discussion a lot, and like, we're very fortunate to have what we have, and we have people send us things that yeah. I honestly, like, I'm Sarah on YouTube, but I'm also Sarah as like an at home person who works every day. And I come home and I open these boxes, and I'm like, wow, I don't feel worthy of this. Sure. And it feels very special, and yeah. I feel like a part of a loved group. And that's awesome. So, yeah, it's going to be harder for me to get Henry McKenna this year because it just won an award. But you know what? I would trade that for the people that I've met and the groups that I've become a part of and just, like, the community that I've found. So, what, we're, like, let's not lie. We're all going to find something good to drink at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So I'm not afraid of that. Yeah. It will be something different, and we'll all grow and change. But I'm glad that we, oh my gosh, I'm glad we found each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. I know it sounds cheesy, oh, but I agree so with that. I 100% agree with that. We're, we're <laughs> all just, <laughs> we're, we're getting the opportunity not just to share in something that we love, which is bourbon or whiskey, but we right. also get to enjoy what is the greatest experience of being human and that's sharing experiences with other people too and the, the fact that we can do something like that over this really specific common interest i love it so what i think you're saying is the fact that we can meet people that we love and also get drunk is awesome 
Alright, I'm coming. And... Thank you, too bad. Can I have a different question? <laughs> I was going to ask you, <laughs> kind of to that point, in, a, in a maybe a little bit of a different direction, though, how have you seen the community grow as well? Because you've been a part of this and, and really ingrained in this for a long time. So what has been the biggest notable change that you've seen, too? Well, first of all, I think, as she said very eloquently, uh, it's a community, and I think bourbon has become the universal welcome. You know, it's like wherever you are in the world that I've traveled, as soon as they know you enjoy bourbon, or that you work in bourbon, or that you, it's like, boom. You know, everybody connects. Uh, part of that same connection, though, and the biggest change, in my opinion, is not just the craft distilleries that are, that are coming up, it's the consumer. How absolutely educated our consumers are. Right. Uh, it used to be when I was designing, and this is true, when I was designing distillery experiences, you know, taking back maybe 15 years ago, you know, basic process, you know, on the tour path, you know, like I said, fermentation, distillation, whatever. Well, now it's not enough just to say we have 51% corn, you know, it's a predominant grain. They want to know, well, what type of corn? Is it USDA yellow number one or two? Or is it, you know, and can we go to the field and can we pluck the corn from the field? And, you know, um, and, you know, fermentation and yeast, what type of yeast strain? Uh, and so they're very technical and never before, in my opinion. Uh, and I will say in the last maybe, what do you think, Andrew, six, seven years, probably, how educated. Yeah. Um, people are and it's great and it's great and it challenges us in the industry uh, because you can't fake it you, you know you got to put truth in the label Remember truth that. in the product uh, or you'll be called out and so I, I think it's a great thing for us great Andrea what, what, what's interesting to me is not just that you are the, the master of maturation and connectors but you're also working underneath Pam who is your master distiller too. How has she changed the way that you view the industry and, and the community as well? And, you know, not, not just from, you know, a consumer standpoint, but the inside out as well. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, Pam is just an incredible individual. If you've never met her personally, um, she is somebody that you want to sit down and drink bourbon after bourbon with her because she can just literally sit and tell you so many interesting things about her journey in life. You know, she didn't come, um, she wasn't born and raised in Kentucky. You know, she didn't come to this, um, you know, sort of the, the classic channel. She came a very different way. Um, by way of um, New York and by way of, you know, steel foundries and hard work and, you know, she's done a lot of amazing things, but one thing about Pam is um, she conquers everything she sets out to do. And I think she's an amazing mentor that way because she, she doesn't um, 
you know, she kind of operates with a no fear mentality. You know, she just goes, and um, nothing's going to stop her. You know, it doesn't matter what people say around her. It doesn't matter what people think around her. She's going to go, and she's going to do pain. You know, and that's that's how it is. And I think that's incredibly empowering to see someone like that at um, you know the position of master distiller. That's a woman that I think a lot of women can identify with. You know, personally for me, that is a super um, inspiring person to work for because, you know, I, I like to think of myself operating, you know, without fear, but to have somebody at the helm who operates that way, it kind of gives you that freedom of, um, you know, spirit is, is an amazing thing. I mean, I can thank our owner for that too, but Pam is, uh, she's just a, an incredible individual and I, I really, I love the fact that, you know, Joe put Pam and I together um, to kind of, you know, to, to really help, you know, create the opportunity for others to see they can do it too and they can learn and they can grow and um, I think that's that's an amazing thing and it's a gift from Pam. You, you made a point that I, I want to expand upon. You talk about operating under no fear. What is it though that you're afraid of? What what is the fear that you see in your in your position in the industry, or just about the industry in general? Um, I think a lot of times people hold back because you know they're like, oh, what are people going to think about that? Maybe that's you know not the right thing to do. Sure. I won't put my voice into the conversation because that might be perceived as you know what people don't want to hear. Or, you know, somebody else might feel like that's not the the accepted um, you know opinion sure. in the room. It's hard to put yourself out there and you know to say I disagree. And you know, sometimes for organizations, it's okay to disagree, but you have to align to what's going to be the best thing for the business. And you know, even Pam and I will disagree. You know, sometimes, but you know, I recognize and I respect Pam has the the ultimate you know role of master distiller, and I'm trying to do, and she's trying to do, and the team is trying to do the best thing for the industry. Um, so you know, we we have a policy you know where we kind of speak openly and honestly, and we have a freedom to speak our opinions and share. And opinions are a powerful thing, but not everybody's afforded that opportunity in their roles to, to kind of put it all out there and lay out your hand and say, this is what I think, and be okay with, okay, well, they didn't like my idea, but at least my idea was heard and it was recognized and, you know, we talked about it, but okay, I agree, it wasn't the right thing to do, that one was a better idea over there. I think that's an incredibly empowering situation and I think the Michter's organization for creating that environment to have such a, a great opportunity for young people to come in and cultivate a career of being able to have tension in the room and be okay with it right. and, and get decisions made and move on. And I think it's part of the success of our team. What was the moment, this is for everybody as well, that you felt like your foot was firmly planted in the bourbon community? <laughs> Sarah looked at me like, how dare you ask me that question? <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> I would say 
technically when I started my company, my own company. Yeah. Uh, because I, at that point, I was just turning 40, and there's something magical about your 40s. It's, it's, it's really empowering, and I think that I had learned just enough to be called an expert in some right, you know, being a master taster, building destinations, uh, but I was still very innovative and thinking, what's the next frontier of bourbon? What's the next thing sure. that I need to create? Um, and so I, I think it was really in my 40s that I, I felt comfortable in my own skin that I was going to do wonderful things and I wanted to do wonderful things. How does bourbon inspire you to be creative? Oh my gosh, how does it not? Um, and, and I'll tell you, there's so many, there's so many avenues. Uh, from retail merchandise to articles that I write, you know, for magazines to uh, food pairings that Sarah, you know, I have a, I have a big culinary, <laughs> I'm a foodie, uh, so my culinary and working with chefs is so creative. Um, when I'm designing visitor centers and, and distillery experiences, that's the ultimate because I have to dream up the expression of a brand. And sure. the spirit and the essence. I guess that's a better way to put it. What's the essence of that brand? So all those things fall into the creativity. And you're a graphic designer. Yes. Right? Yes. That's right. And so you understand that essence. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I get to, I'm fortunate enough to spend a lot of time with uh, the, the bourbon industry as a graphic designer. And knowing what I do about the industry and, and being able to be a part of it the way that I am is really exciting and interesting to me. So I, I totally understand. Yeah, and so I, that's what turns me on, is innovation. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm not finished yet. I'll be Good. next decade, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Sarah and Andrea. Put, so the original The original question, question is, uh, uh, it was, when did you feel like you first had your foot firmly planted? in the bourbon community, bourbon industry? I don't know that I still feel like I have my foot oh, firmly oh, planted, but oh, I would say, <laughs> um, I'm not gonna lie, the first time we put a video out on YouTube, I was terrified. I recommend that you go watch it if you are looking to build your own YouTube channel because you will learn from the episode that your first episode is probably your worst episode. Um, and you can, it's 50 bourbons under $25, and I think that you can visibly see the fear in my eyes um, from that it's episode. True. But I <laughs> Chad is a video personality true. by career. That's his thing. Um, I'm not. This is, it's taken me a long time to get up and to this point where I can sit in front of people and talk. Also, it's taken a lot of bourbon to get up here and talk to a lot of people and talk. But... I will say that um, he encouraged me to get in front of the camera. That first episode was a rough one for me. Not only because I was not used to being in front of the camera, but because I was afraid of what people would say about me on YouTube, which as a lot of you who are online know, YouTube can be a nasty place where people do not say nice things about each other. Uh, so I pretty much told him, like, if we start this and it starts to go south, I'm out. Because <laughs> I don't need any worse self-esteem. Um, but you know what the funny thing is, is that the opposite happened. Um, I got a lot of people supporting me. I got a lot of ladies in the audience right now who support me, who are very kind. Tammy, Monica, my mom, Pam. Hi, Pam. Back there. 
as well, yeah. and, and who want to support and bring a unity to this community through not just women, but just like everything, everything yeah. that is the community of Bourbon. And like, I've realized over the past little bit that the more we grow our channel, it's not just like the more that I grow and you know, people still say things sometimes, but we let those go. We just bury them, we just let them go. Um, but that, like, my role now isn't just making me feel good about me by being out there. It's making other people feel like they can come together and they can speak out and they can be a part sure. of this. And like, I don't know. That's pretty cool. Andrew, same question. I think it was probably when I became the first chairwoman of the Kentucky Distillers Association. That was a big deal. So that was in 2009, and um, it was in it, it was a time when a lot of things for the industry were really starting to change and you could see the change coming and you know as a group we were all very thoughtful about we need to come up with a strategy for how we're going to continue to do all the things because we were starting to see so many right. things coming down the road with you know the Kentucky Bourbon Trail mm -hmm. that yeah, and, you know, it was kind of getting that there was a lot of, you know, tourism was excited about it. There was things going on. People wanted merchandising, visitor centers. There was just a lot of stuff coming, but nothing had really completely solidified itself, but you knew you needed to have a plan. And so um, the group coming together to solidify a five-year strategy was a really big deal, and um, you know, since that time, the organization has grown. You know, there there are five lovely young ladies who are a part of that organization now. You know, once upon a time when I joined the organization 14 years ago, now <laughs> I've been on the board. Um, there was one part-time president, <laughs> and, you know, and a lot of distillers. And so, you know, the world has changed dramatically. There's a lot of um, interest in the organization now. The organization has grown with craft distillers. There's all kinds of movements in the industry, and it's just been an amazing thing to see all of that grow. But that was probably the moment that I was like, this is what I do. <laughs> this is what I'm going to keep on doing. I think it's a very interesting moment to experience where you go, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is why I'm, I'm here. And I, I think that there are, not everybody is so lucky. And for there to be enough people in this room to have had that moment, it's really cool. So I, I, I want to open this up to you, to you three as well. I, I recently heard this quote from a, a, a woman who had written this poem. And the quote was, a woman is a weapon when she yields. And it really got me thinking about catalysts for change and for the, the way that people can consciously decide to not be passive in what they do and to actually want to be a part of things. So my, my question for you all is, 
How do you feel like you have been a catalyst for change? Do you feel like you have been a catalyst for change? And how do you envision that, envision rather, that growing in the future as well? And I know it's a big question, I'm sorry. Like I said, I ask big questions. I mean, I personally don't feel like I'm a catalyst for change. I feel like me and... Oh, there he is. There he goes back there. (laughs) That's the one. Hi, Chad. Um, I don't even know if we're a catalyst for change. Like, we're just two people sharing what we like with other people. Um, But I think that through our learning and through our sharing, like, through spreading things that we hear from... Industry. That's Industry change, study. though. So Lear- change. Learning is change. Learning is change, but sharing. Also, I think like YouTube is a platform for sharing, right? Sure. And so we learn things like balance, counterbalance, explosion from Peggy, and then we share that through our YouTube channel, and that's change, right? Sure. That that helps people embrace the uh, act of caring about food, which. It's not an old thing, I don't think, right now, but it totally should be because if you've ever had bourbon and cheese, you would know. <laughs> and you should try it. I mean, I'm, I don't know, like, a lot of you have had bourbon and chocolate, right? Um, you've done no. a whole episode. <laughs> Did you watch it? <laughs> no. Um, Are you asking me or everybody? No, I know you okay. watched it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I wouldn't say that I don't feel like I but I feel like we're all doing something to keep the industry and the thing that we love alive and growing, um, which to me is the most important. Like, it, it would be great to be like, oh, we're changing things. Sure. Um, but for me, like, it's most important to keep it alive and growing so that we never hit a bottom point. Like in the dark ages of bottom. Um, <laughs> And just that we, we keep empowering people in general, but also women to come forward. Because, you know, I don't know if you know, but it's science that women have better palates because they have more taste buds. Yes, they do. Uh, if you don't know why that is, supposedly it's because they need to taste food to make sure that it's not poisonous for infants. So if you, anyone ever argues on that, it's just, a give, biological. just give them that biological fact and... Uh, yes. I haven't done any research, but that's the truth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. I'm going to let you have that one. <laughs> let me have that one. I don't need a reference. Uh, <laughs> you are the reference. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the word catalyst is a, a big word, and I, I think all... Bourbon women, especially, ever did was just start a conversation. And true story, when we were doing focus groups to see if bourbon women even made sense, you know, to have this organization, because we're not a drinking club, we're a movement. And uh, I sat down with Bill Samuels and I showed him all our focus group information and said, What do you think about this? Because he was always a great sounding board for me, mm-hmm. um, best marketer I've ever known. Yeah. And he said, and he told me that, just that. He said, well, Peggy, I think it's really interesting. He goes, you're going to do something that nobody's ever done, is start a conversation with women. Because the industry really wasn't talking to women on a marketing level. And it wasn't really their fault in a way. There's, there's only so much money to go around. And men tend to gravitate to bourbon. And so it was just 
priority, really more than anything. Uh, so that was the catalyst, was starting the conversation and talking to women, because women have truly always been part of the industry over 200 years. We were just in the uh, fields or the bottling line or the crops or you know whatever, uh, the office. And uh, so we were part of it. We just didn't get credit for it, really. Sure. Uh, sure. So, so I think that was huge, um, you know, to be a catalyst for. And uh, I hope that that continues. I know we'll be successful with women when we quit saying first female master bourbon taster, first master distiller, first master blender, first let's not, you know let's like make it a norm. Yeah. And that's when I'll know personally that we've been happy. I don't know why that was the one that got me, but that really got me. So, <laughs> Andrew. No, I think it, I think it's true. I mean, Peggy Peggy said some things that really resonate for me, and especially the last part there. I think that you know I am incredibly passionate about relationships in this industry, and I want to see people grow and be successful even beyond just myself. And that's what I spend, you know, a lot of time doing um, with people is kind of growing and helping them. And I hope that they take things to places that I could never even dream of or think of, you know, and that that's what I want to see. But I, I really look forward to, you know, I want young people in general to see this industry as a and an industry that embraces them and they're treated respectfully and as family and that we care about each other and that you know the conversations continue and there's joy and there's celebration and it's just a phenomenal industry to work in because that will carry on long after you know we are all sitting in our rocking chairs and i think that's the incredible power behind um, everything that's happening um, and Everybody that's coming and creating these conversations, like you said earlier, it's it's incumbent upon all of us because there's a lot of, you know, there's people in this room right now who have daughters and who have sons and who, you know, moved from other locations and they. This is a spirit that brings us all together, and I think that's a very powerful thing. Bourbon, bourbon should know no gender. No, that's right. I agree. Yeah. And I. Woo! I, I did this specific panel because I wanted us to be able to move past this point of conversation and have it be people of them. Right. Not men, not women, the community. We are all together because that's how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be able to share it with one another. And I hope that in the future we can just say, let's share a pour instead of going, well, she'd probably rather have vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> Definitely not me, let me tell you. My point though is that this, this for me is the period. At the end of the sentence of, they like bourbon, they don't like bourbon, based on gender. So I say let's all agree, bourbon's for everybody. Yes. Correct. Yes. 
Yes. So raise a glass to that. But I want to say one thing more. Or offer this up. Because Andrea said this is all part of the conversation. I want to make you all a part of the conversation as well. I've got this mic set up over here. If you have questions for any of us, please please go up to the mic and, and ask. And yes. So my question is for Peggy. So I'm really interested in your organization. I think it's awesome, and I would like to be a part of it. So how do I go about being part of your your organization? Yeah, you just go to bourbonwomen.org and sign up, and that gives you really access to all the events that we go to. We're in seven cities now. Wow, officially branches. Yeah, and we're getting ready to launch in Texas this year and New York and. Uh, it's it's really it's amazing. Um, I think 26 states come in for symposium. Yeah, so it's okay. it's really widespread. So I love it, love it, love it. I would love it too. Thank you. Hello. So I That's am my sister. Hey, who's that? I'm Carrie's sister. I'm also Sarah. <laughs> so I'm in college right now. I'm a junior, and um, I've noticed that a lot of women just don't really know how to get their footing. Um, especially in the business world. And I just wanted to open the question up to you all. How did you all find your footing in such a male-dominated world? So, question <laughs> skills come <laughs> good. That, 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 <laughs> tough question, Sarah. I think it's a great question. It's not an uncommon question. Um, the one thing that I'll tell you that is incredibly helpful is if you do not have mentors in your life right now, you should find them. And they can be, they can be a diverse group. You don't have to have one. You can have multiple. But have people who are really sitting down with you to challenge you to think about what direction you want to go in life. And keep that mentoring community with you throughout your life. I have always had mentors. I have mentors today in my life. They they can be anywhere from, you know, a family member to somebody in the industry to somebody who doesn't even work in something that you're even interested in. But what that does for you is it gives you a sounding board for things that you're thinking about and things that you might want to do, ways to learn about things. But I think it's always about putting yourself out there to find information. And because you're in charge of yourself, you're in charge of your career, you're in charge of everything, and the choices that you make will dictate that. But having somebody to guide you and help you and answer questions and get information for you is incredibly empowering and very helpful. That would be my biggest advice. I, I, I have to say, she is so correct on mentors, and so not to repeat her, but my biggest influence of why I think I've made it in this industry was due to my father. Uh, you know, he had two girls <laughs> growing up. His dog was even female, so he was outnumbered. And uh, I grew up in this incredible environment that he, I never knew I couldn't do something. And he never held me back from anything that I tried, or he was always encouraging and always. So find the mentors that are going to raise you up. And the second you hear someone saying what you can't do, or oh, you might that might not fit because you're a mother or you're 
this or that, that's when your internal instinct goes, uh-uh, not today. You know, and, uh, and that, to me, I honestly set my course because I just didn't know that I couldn't do something. A question. Okay. Um, Peggy, will you officially be my mentor? <laughs> <laughs> do I get a ring? A truce has been made. <laughs> a bond. It's a bond has been made. You all saw it? <laughs> she can't go back. Camera, she can't on. go back. Why can't you come back? Ashley Kutcher's going to come out now. <laughs> You've been pumped. Um, that's why, for all the guys in the audience who have daughters, do any of you all have daughters in the audience? Woo! That's how important you are. That's how important you are. Thank you all. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. And other Sarah. Ready. <laughs> Hi, I'm Noel Riddell. Uh, in three weeks, I'm opening the Burley Market and Cafe, the only oh. bourbon and uh, craft cocktail establishment in Savannah, Kentucky. Please come out. <laughs> What's your question? <laughs> My question. And it's, it's, uh, I'm going to change gears on the question. Hi hypothetically, for some reason, the world's going to end tomorrow. You can only grab one more bottle of bourbon. For me, for me, it's Old Pogue, and I love many, but it's going to be Old Pogue. I'd like to know what everyone, including Perry, is going to grab. Should I go first? It's up to you. It's your show. Um, a Russell's Reserve single barrel. Nice. nice. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mine would be Kentucky bourbon. Oh. <laughs> As of this moment right now, mine would be Burger Sturdius, and I would recommend everyone go to this bar before it closes, <laughs> because we're all going to die. Right. Um, <laughs> no, Burger Sturdius. First of all, I'd probably try to get the fullest bottle from my bar. Because <laughs> I want to have the most longevity. Um, and I would say I would probably choose the Michter Small Batch Bourbon. That's, that's my go-to. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I have a, I have a caveat to that. It, this, wait, hold on. No, wait. Is this the... Do we survive the apocalypse? Absolutely not. <laughs> no further questions. Thank you very much. Oh no. <laughs> Actually, this question is for Andrea. And it pains me, although I'm married to a University of Louisville master's degree grad. What is it about the engineering department at UL that has such great distillers, blenders that lends to you guys going into the industry as much as you do? I think that, um, so th for those who don't know, so I'm a Master of Chemical Engineering graduate from the University of Louisville, and I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, so I think the, the engineering program there is particularly special. I can't compare it to other engineering programs because I've not been a part of those programs. I can only tell you about my experience at the University of Louisville. And, I think that it is not one of just, you know, here's the book, learn what the book says. I think these are people who really care about you learning the fundamentals, so much so that you can take those fundamentals 
and you can walk away from the university and you can apply them in a way that makes um, you know anyone successful. And I think that's incredibly important. It's not just about learning, you know, okay, you turn the knob this way and you record that temperature and you do this pressure and everything's going to work out okay. You have to understand the, the fundamentals of what you're doing in order to be able to ever troubleshoot any problems. So um, it's one of the most incredibly important things today because in a world of technology where things are moving very fast and everybody's dependent on automation and, you know, you know nobody does anything by hand anymore. Um, but learning how to do things by hand when all else fails that's what you have to come back to are the basics and the fundamentals, and I think that's what the University of Louisville is incredibly gracious about making sure people understand. Thank you. Hello, all. Hello. I just want to say I come up here because I respect all you guys. My grandmother is somebody that really influenced me in bourbon. She's somebody who I had my first Dusty with. Oh. So I just want to ask an interesting question, something I thought about the whole time. I would really like to know what's something that you, what stands out, I guess, either in your career or in your life in general that involves around bourbon. Something that, like, you really think about a lot, whether it's when you're working, you're sober, you're drinking, or something that like really comes to mind, you're like, this is a memory that I will always have and I respect a lot. So I'm just, just curious. Well, it's more personal. Okay. Uh, but I think after all the years, you have to understand, you wouldn't believe what my house looks like. That's what, that's what I to start with. I mean, samples everywhere and barrel staves on the floor and you know I mean it's just it I have a house of urban right so my two sons I have a 25 year old and a 20 year old and so they grew up with that I mean you can ask my 25 year old and he'll say growing up because I worked at Woodford Reserve his favorite candy as a child was bourbon candy part of what we did right so for me personally when he turned 21 I asked oh my gosh almost every master distiller on the bourbon trail to write on their favorite whiskey their favorite bourbon a note to my son oh my God. happy birthday oh, awesome. and I put the collection I'm gonna need a minute <laughs> <laughs> men that I respected the most in the industry so they wrote personal notes and dated it and everything so I, I put it in a special collection box and two sterling silver mineral cups awesome. so that I know that's more personal than uh -huh. business no that's okay <laughs> that's, that's why I Circle, you know, and I, I, I hope that my my sons do get into this industry one day. I do. So maybe that is my hidden agenda. But. Well, golly, I can't follow that. <laughs> no, you I can mean, try. I I don't really know how to answer this question properly, but I will say that like growing up, I remember every special holiday. My mom and my aunt are sitting in the audience. So they can attest to this, but every special holiday that we had, there was always Maker's Mark that my mom didn't drink. She's not into it. Um, but all my aunts drank, and and. <laughs> and, and, and supposedly that 
that's where I get it from. <laughs> no, it skips but, a generation. Like, I can just remember being a young kid at like, you know, Easter or Christmas or whatever. And this is not to knock them in any way, because Easter is a drinking holiday for any of you who don't know. <laughs> it's a joke, laugh. I'll allow um, it. <laughs> There was always the, I think there was some sort of appliance in the, in the kitchen. It wasn't a dryer, but it was something. And the makers always sat on top of it. And I can always remember like running through the house in, at a holiday at my grandparents' house. There was always maker's mark. And I think that for me, like, my mom not like, not, not like to hear this, but it was always ingrained in me that, you know, Bourbon was synonymous with holiday. Yeah. Whether or not it was mixed with Mountain Dew. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they got (laughs) No bet, you don't have to leave. (laughs) I never did it, I wasn't old enough. But yeah, I I don't know what the original question was, but like for me (laughs) You nailed it. Like no, I nailed it, right? Yeah. Um, That's what I think about because that place where they had these holidays was like maybe 20 minutes down the street from Maker's Mark. So for them, that was a part of where they grew up and that was then passed on to me. And now I love Maker's Cast Strength and Private Select, but nothing else. Um, yeah, see, that's a memory that stuck with you. That's what, I was, that's what the original lesson was. And that's awesome. Yes. So, um,. So my grandfather was, uh, we grew up fishing on the Maker's Mark Pond, um, but there's a backstory with my grandfather because my grandfather wanted to work in the bourbon industry, but because he couldn't, he was he, he couldn't because he was a known moonshiner, and so no one would hire him. And so in order to marry my grandmother, you know, they had a poor farm. Um, he moonshined to, to make ends meet for their family. And um, he had to give it up to marry my grandmother, which was like the greatest love story ever. And um, he worked 36 and a half years for American Standard Company, but even today, it's so exciting for me to be able to do what I do to honor his memory. Thank you. Thank you, I respect all you guys a lot, thank you. Well, I can't follow that. Did you hear that? <laughs> Did you hear that, Chad? He had to give it up. <laughs> uh, by What'd the way, Chad from its bourbon. What did you do today? <laughs> I drove. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, you know that you can't leave an open mic and not expect me to come up to it. Oh, I know. Uh, so, Sarah, when did you know Chad was the one? <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding. Actually, my question is for Peggy. I don't think we can talk about that right now. You're so mad at me since I heard you know Sarah that Chad was the one? <laughs> right. Peggy, when did you know I was the one? Poor <laughs> um, Sarah, why, right? Why do you like, think I don't want her to marry you? <laughs> Yeah, fair point. All right. I made a mistake here. <laughs> yeah. No, my question is actually about master tasters. Like, 
what did you do to go on that journey? And if anyone in the audience or on the panel is wanting to be, to grow up, to be a master taster and have that distinction, like, I think a lot of people don't know, like, is there a governing body for that title or is it just a career path or what, what experience did you go towards to, uh, to take you there? I, I had absolutely no intention uh, to become a master taster. It was truly uh, just a very fortunate experience for me. And a lot of people don't know this, but in our industry, Andrea can vouch for this, there is not a formal definition of what a master distiller is and a master blender and a master taster and a master whatever. Um, there, there just isn't. It's, it's really because you've been recognized. Uh, just like if you saw Peerless recently named Caleb a master distiller. You know, that was not how he was hired in, and I'm so proud of him because uh, he is really a brilliant young man and quite a designation. So it's up to the distillery, you know, to decide who's who and what's what. And at the time, I was working at Woodford Reserve uh, Distillery in the 90s, and Lincoln Henderson, you probably know that name, from Angel Zenby, yeah. but he really was the master distiller of Woodford uh, when it started. And so he, I had a great palate. I, I mentioned I'm a foodie, and I had a lot of wine training uh, in the hotel industry when I first started, and then was the guest services manager at Woodford, and he recognized it, and he was doing all the tastings at, at the facility and launching the brand, and I would sit, I would listen to him, and you know, I wrote, wrote the script, you know, for Woodford, and so I, we just became friends, and he would teach me. And then I was formally approached by the general manager uh, of the distillery at that time and said, hey, we'd like you to become a master taster. Uh, and I was like, great, what do, what do I do? What is that? I, I really didn't know. And uh, they said, well, we're going to have you formally train with Lincoln. And so I would sit with Lincoln. I think it took probably a year or so. Uh, and he would take me through all these sensory training classes and distillery and pulling samples and all that so that I could go and be an ambassador and teach and taste and, you know, judge, if you will, you know, different whiskeys. So there is no curriculum, I guess is what I'm saying. I just feel really super blessed um, that I was recognized. And so I don't have an answer, I hate to say that, on how can you be. Um, but things like the State of Thief, uh, certification, you know, things like that are coming. And I'm sure it's only be a matter of time before there's more of a formalized, possibly credential. But it's truly anointed. That's a perfect answer. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I thought this was a vodka meetup club. <laughs> <laughs> something about April Fool's jokes or something like that. Uh, so my question is, imagine that uh, aliens or, I don't know, the devil showed up on Earth tomorrow and took all whiskey away from us. We obviously all love whiskey. Uh, what would your choice be moving into wine, spirits, beer, if we don't have whiskey tomorrow? Any whiskey? Any whiskey, no whiskey, Japanese, Scotch, whiskey, American Scotch. whiskey, bourbon rye. Yeah. Yeah. That is the apocalypse. Satisfying rum. Like a really rich rum. A really good rum. rum. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or red wine. But mostly red wine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some tequila. 
tequila. I'm okay with tequila. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the tequila fans in the office? Did y'all stumble in here from <laughs> consider myself an equal opportunity drinker <laughs> uh, because sometimes you know I want a beer and sometimes I'd like a glass of wine you know and uh, but I like your answer on tequila uh, I I mean, it's versatile. Versatile. yeah yeah it's really versatile it's yeah. versatile that's yeah. what I say yeah. <laughs> that'd probably that'd be a good one that'd be a good one now that's hard for me <laughs> I'm still stuck in the sadness of it all. Right. <laughs> Wait, why do the aliens hate whiskey? I, I don't know. It's, it's a hypothetical world. They need some answers. Yeah. They, they were born during Prohibition. I said we fight those aliens. I'm ready to take up arms if y'all are. They may take our whiskey. I refuse. Well, they may take our spirit. interesting thing because for whatever reason a lot of uh, people in the distilling industry that I've met over the years I've found myself when it's late and things have gone completely upside down we have chosen <laughs> gin <laughs> I don't know why that is but I can tell a lot of stories um, about braver than I so um, but uh, there's actually a really great gin called Farmer's Gin, which is um, a really soft uh, gin that I really like. It's not the traditional kind of gin, but I really like Farmer's Gin. Awesome. awesome. Thank you for your time. <laughs> well, I think that just about does it for this. I'm so happy that you all were here for this. Uh, we do have one segment left, though. If you're a regular listener to the show, we have a recommendation portion called Tips and Bits. So I wanted to open this up. It doesn't have to be whiskey-related. It can be just anything that you've been enjoying recently. A TV show, album, a book, whatever. So do you all have any tips or bits? So I've been watching the Santa Clarita Diet. <laughs> <laughs> Santa Clarita Diet? Oh, okay. Oh, it's about zombies. <laughs> but it's got Drew Barrymore in, and who doesn't love Drew Barrymore, right? It's just fantastic. No, it's pretty good. Thank you um, boo for Drew Barrymore? Who <laughs> boo? Drew Barrymore. Um, but that's not all I have time to watch or listen to, so okay. that's my thing. Right. Am I done? Yeah, you're done. Can you put a bathroom? Oh. Yeah, I think it'll pot it off first. Do I have to have a pass? <laughs> yeah, it's called the end of the show. Okay. <laughs> it's like two more minutes, okay? Okay, fine. All right, fine. Peggy? <laughs> well, th this is not a whiskey, actually, but we're right on the heels of Derby, right? How many are going to Derby or having a party or whatever? I am obsessed, and you can get it on Amazon, with a mint stripper. Have you heard of them? <laughs> yeah. Sounds, yeah. Like the sound of that? Because I, I start making my syrups now. 
I start oh, yeah. them now. Oh. Yeah, and putting them in the fridge. And so my tip or tidbits, what, what tips and bits? Tips and bits. <laughs> Your tips uh, my or bits. Or bits. Um, is look I'm online. so happy this happened. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> because it's so, important, it's so important not to have your mint bitter. And and no. if you tear off leaf by leaf, leaf by leaf, and you have a party for forty, or however much syrup it takes to buy them. So I found this mint stripper that you literally put the stem through and go zip. There's leaves. Zip. There's leaves. Zip. So I'm obsessed with it. And uh, see, those of that. you, my, my, <laughs> so that's a tip. And then a little bit is when you're making your syrup and you're boiling your sugar and your water. Okay, take about six or seven of those mint leaves and let them steep like a tea bag when it's still hot until it cools down. Then remove those leaves. But that little added infusion of the mint oil makes you great. Okay. All right, here's my tip. Uh, so, uh, how many people like Manhattans? Oh, good, good. Had put two uh, hands up. So, I, I have to be honest, I was not ever um, very much of a Manhattan drinker because I, I don't really I, I struggle with vermouth and so I know probably people are like oh it's a travesty um, but what I found is substituting um, there's a product for Amaro it's more of an herbal type of um, liqueur and you can substitute that and it just makes a beautiful Manhattan so um, can, can I tell them that you gave me a bottle of it mm-hmm. Uh, and back in August, I had a dinner party that Andrea came to, and uh, I fell in love with it. You were so right. And is that what makes it a black Manhattan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what makes it a black Manhattan. So it's two ounces of bourbon, a half ounce of Amaro, for Amaro, and then uh, a few dashes of uh, bitters and uh, Luxardo cherry. You must choose the Luxardo must. cherry. <laughs> and it's just lovely. Well, I, I'm actually going to recommend a couple of books. Because big, stop laughing. It's not a joke. Um, a, because th- this night is for her, but um, the Kentucky Bourbon Cocktail Book by Joy Bourbon. Uh, and my good friend Susan Regler. Yeah, yeah. Susan, Susan Regler is absolutely fantastic. A wonderful human being. Like I said, I got to sit down with her for a little bit last week. She's legit. She, uh, she has more knowledge about bourbon and the bourbon industry in her thumbnail. I call her the than... Dosecki woman. I can get on board with that. <laughs> what else you got? Uh, Whiskey Woman by Fred Menick. Fred's a, fan, a, a fantastic person and mentor to me as well. Um, that book was so eye-opening for me as I was preparing for this evening and this weekend, and I definitely encourage you all to check that out, too. Harry, may, may I make a comment about yes. the book, Whiskey yeah. Women? Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think you'll find this interesting. Okay. Uh, when Bourbon Women was being formed, we had our inaugural event at the Governor's Mansion. It was kind of our kickoff. Mm. The first lady spoke, and I spoke, and everybody spoke. And I was saying what I was saying to you, actually. Uh, you know, women have been in the industry over 200 years and all of this. And Fred was in the audience. And we didn't know each other very well. 
he's now a dear friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't believe me. <laughs> and he thought I was full of it. And he'll tell you the story. He's a skeptic. Yes, yeah, skeptic. He's a journalist. He's a journalist. So, you met Fred. So he started. He started researching uh, to fact check me. That's how whiskey women started. He was going to fact check me. And you're the whiskey woman. <laughs> and so what he found out that there was there was so much out there right. that was just rich in content, and he was so inspired to write the book, so now we tease each other about it, and I ask him where my commission is. But, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. <laughs> um, first and foremost, before we wrap this up, thank you all so much for being here. Um, this was really a dream come true for me to be able to have a room full of people who not just love what I do with this podcast, but the idea of women of bourbon being important. And you are important. Yes. And thank you all. So, cheers to that. Woo! Do you all have any social media plugs? Where can people find you on social media? Uh, it's Bourbonite on all the social media channels and just go to It's Bourbon Night on YouTube. Uh, for, for me personally, any Instagram, uh, Peggy No Stevens, or Twitter or whatever, Peggy No Stevens, but bourbonwomen.org if you'd like to become a member or find out some of the events. We have another one coming up April 25th, actually. Oh. So at Michter's Whiskey, uh, you can follow all things Michter's and if you want to follow me personally on Instagram, it's uh, Michter's Master of Maturation. Again, thank you all so much for being here. Thank you to the wonderful women who have been a part of this. Thank you. you all are fantastic. Thank you very much. I'm so happy that this happened. Um, if you would like to become a patron of the show, it's patreon.com slash podcast. At mybourbonpod is where you can find us on social media. Hold on, let me pull up my notes. Um, let's see what else. Bourbonshop.threadless.com. I do a live stream every Thursday night on YouTube um, at 9 o'clock Eastern. So if you would like to become part of that, youtube.com slash podcast. I think that about does it for us tonight, though. Thank you all so much for being here. I love you guys. This has been fantastic. I will see you next week. But until then, I'm Perry, and this is my Bourbon Podcast. Woo!